passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. And we are live. Welcome to the new era of Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting. And joining us tonight are you, the listener, the viewer, the world. Hello, Wei. Hello, John, and hello, everybody watching us live right after Dynamite has ended right here on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook. We're live on all of our platforms today. So this will be the case going forward uh, for Raw, for Dynamite. And even for SmackDown. Yes. Or Rampage, I should say. Yes, yes. We are going to be live every Monday and Wednesday night. This is your home for your post shows. And then on SmackDown, on Friday night, we will start here. Kind of like our own buy-in. And if you want to buy-in, then you can join us for the rest of the show uh, for members at postwrestlingcafe.com. But uh, how's everything going, Way, on, on your side? You pretty much just tell me where to be and when to be there. It's all the technical side is all on on your end. How is how are things? Everything's going really well. There are a lot of people in the uh, YouTube chat right now. Some people uh, uh, typing in in the Facebook chat room as well. So uh, maybe as we go along, I'll highlight some of these. But of course, because we are on YouTube, of course, we do have the option to uh, take some super chats. So that'll be a way for you guys to get your questions in. Of course, we're also allowing uh, all of our patrons of the Post Wrestling Cafe to post their feedback at forum.postwrestling.com as well. So many ways to get your thoughts in about a pretty newsworthy show, I thought, tonight. I, I was actually, I my, my DVR screwed up, so I missed the first 15 minutes. It was newsworthy? I thought it was just, you know, standard go-home show, some blood, tag team, battle royale, and, uh, you know, Thunder Rosa pinning Baker. I thought, you know, by the numbers, I thought. But bring me up to speed. I mean, that, that was pretty much it for the most part. I mean, you know, a dude bought a wrestling company. Um, yeah, didn't miss much. Which one? I think it's called like the Apocalypse Wrestling Federation. <laughs> no, I don't think they're so. going to renovate, re- return to Cactus Pete's on Birchmount. That's wow, a that's joke really that old four people will get. Yeah. Uh, yes, we will uh, go right to the, the main story tonight. Uh, the announcement, which did kick off the show. That way you suggested maybe they would start the show with. They did, in fact, start with the uh, the biggest thing. And, of course, uh, Tony Khan did tweet uh, ahead of time to get everybody there for the start of uh, dynamite and I guess hoping for a big bang to start off the show keep those viewers uh, there you go absolutely coming up I mean the you know the, the big bang theory slash ring of honor crossover audience I think will really be tested was that uh, not ROH this episode I think when ROH did their first 
I pay per view in 2011. I think it was called The Big Bang, as I recall. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. Yes, I think that was like Kevin Kelly's debut with the, with the company. Yeah. But um, so Tony Khan started off the show and just uh, gave a very spirited address about how we started there outside in the parking lot. Now we're indoors slash outdoors because it's an open air facility, and mentioned that uh, 17 years before AEW launched, another company was born, and that was Ring of Honor, and I have now purchased Ring of Honor, and I think everyone was looking up at the screen, remembering the last time there was an outdoor sale announcement, wondering if uh, Shane McMahon was just going to uh, wander out, Uh, that was not the case, and so I'm just going to read this from the press release, I won't read the whole thing, but this was uh, uh, issued as soon as uh, Tony Khan made this announcement, Moments ago on AEW Dynamite Live on TBS, it was announced that Tony Khan has agreed to acquire the assets of Ring of Honor Wrestling Entertainment LLC from Sinclair Broadcast Group, including the promotion's extensive video library dating back to 2002, brand assets, intellectual property, production equipment, and more. Known widely as the independent promotion that birthed some of wrestling's biggest stars of today, including AEW CM Punk and Brian Danielson, and highlighted dozens of members of the AEW roster, Ring of Honor's purchase signifies a new chapter in the future of professional wrestling as AEW's meteoric rise continues to draw the youngest skewing wrestling audience on television. Uh, quote, Ring of Honor's influence on modern professional wrestling is etched permanently in the history books, and this acquisition ensures that its legacy will be kept alive and treated with the utmost respect, said Tony Khan, CEO of AEW. And it goes on to say at the uh, at the bottom here that um, uh, we, we did get this comment from Joe Coff. Ring of Honor has produced some of the best professional wrestlers over the past 20 years, but more importantly, it created a family. I will be forever grateful to everyone in the ROH family who has worked tirelessly for the past two decades to take ROH to levels previously unimagined, said Joe Coff. And the end here, this acquisition will be completed through an entity that is wholly owned by Tony Khan. Further details about the extent of this acquisition will be announced in the coming weeks. Mm, so very interesting. Um, some particulars there. I mean, first of all, uh, the the video library, which I think we can all be, agree was probably the most value, valuable part of, of Ring of Honor and, and its long history, uh, tells you a whole lot about maybe his future direction, uh, amassing a great deal of content for. Uh, he did talk about today, you know, wanting. I mean, a lot of us thought that the streaming deal was going to be the announcement today. It was not that, but um, this certainly. This would certainly be creating like groundwork for that on top of your existing Mm -hmm. library and now bringing something that you know really honor club to me never truly got out of the gates in terms of when honor club launched that was the biggest value and they put out like their first year of stuff but to me it was never really maximized and now you can get a real proper um distribution of that that said, and you can speak to this firsthand way because you had to go through a lot of those old tapes at the Fight Network when they had their their dealings with ROH, is that um, that's not something that you can just snap your fingers and put all this stuff up tomorrow. It is something that pro- – and that that held back Honor Club as well, like in getting a lot of that older footage up that from music to just quality um, – and mm-hmm. as we talked about last week with, uh, you know, the very first angle that they did in ROH, also, you know, you know content that maybe is not going to uh, be so re- well received in modern times. Sure. It, it's going to be a lot of man hours to, you know, digitize some of that stuff that hasn't already been digitized for Honor Club. But 
it you know AEW I think has plenty more resources than Ring of Honor probably did under even under Sinclair to devote to something like this. Um, so I, I I don't think it's much of an issue for them uh, as well. You know, so much of their current roster has Ring of Honor ties that you can really take that footage from that library in in different ways that even Sinclair couldn't have. You know, having a, a CM Punk, you know, introduce a best of CM Punk episode or, you know, uh, uh, Brian Danielson talking about some of his favorite matches from that era. I think maybe maybe after an intense angle, MJF could come out and say, this was my inspiration for my uh, line tonight. Let's go mm-hmm. to the original video. I mean, you. I know you're kind of joking, John, but they could now that like think about these road twos, you know, like being able to cut back and forth from MJF's line talking about uh, I'm me being the snake and. You know, uh, uh, whatever, whatever his line was that that was directly Even punk, like explaining like I once put alcohol down an alcoholic's mouth, you mm-hmm. know, just like that. And, totally. you, you know, it's just like for flashbacks for like a road to or a countdown special there. There's that aspect to it. Um, you know, uh, so, the video so, library, it, of course, has the most value. Now, now worth noting, I think the most interesting part everyone looks at here, uh, like no mention here of Sinclair continuing to have any kind of wrestling on its networks. I think that would have been made very clear in this press release if that was the case. And that's going to be the larger question is how Ring of Honor is operated. God knows Tony Khan does not have time to be booking like a satellite promotion and how this fits into things. Like you have your kind of developmental system in dark. You certainly have the talent that could is that could be utilized elsewhere. But what is a Ring of Honor if it does not have... A television is that something you are shopping for? Is that something you come up with a creative way on Friday nights? Uh, but to me, like there's there's many many questions to this. On top of it, just in terms of what this is going to exist in terms of because it really sounds like you are continuing this brand. It is not just we're buying a tape library and that's it. Like this was very much presented as this continues Ring of Honor as opposed to just being shelved. It's how it read to me, you know, certainly. Yeah. Um, I think there certainly still is value in the Ring of Honor name. Um, it's it's hardly, I think, at the level of maybe what you would have considered um WCW at the time. I mean, it, it's totally it's it's a different game, I, I would say. This this one is uh, I think we're dealing with a much more kind of you know, era era of like niche professional wrestling fans. So uh but a Ring of Honor branding I think means a whole lot um to you know uh, an AEW fan and especially under new ownership uh, and under the ownership of a leader like Tony Khan who has proven that he knows the type of product that that particular type of audience wants I think will completely refresh in it I mean even if it's as simple as taking one of the AEW darks and calling it you know Ring of Honor and and just kind of you know increasing the profile uh, and star power of a show like that I think I think we'll we'll at least increase um you know um uh the 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 spotlight maybe of an AEW dark and give another home for a lot of a lot of their growing talent to to have a show but it, but it is interesting because you know one of the things that the press press release specifically states is that it's under ownership of of Tony Khan. Yeah, they made it very clear this is not like AEW that has bought this. It's this not is, his dad. This is like Tony Khan that has purchased this. Mhm. Yeah, unlike AEW which is owned by his father. So, um, you know, uh, would he operate it separate from AEW? I mean, I'm sure there, there's going to be, you know, a crossover, of course. But would he seek a different TV deal than than what AEW currently offers? Uh, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, as we all know right now, yeah, like the more content, the better, it seems, if you're somebody who's creating. 
Well, that becomes very interesting that Tony Khan is going to be going into all of these negotiations as AEW's, you know, domestic rights come due. And we have seen that, you know, the the television rights bubble, WWE has greatly benefited from it. And outside of WWE, it's only been AEW that's been able to capitalize on that. We haven't seen other wrestling sign these massive multi-million dollar contracts. It's been AEW. And Mm. do you look at ROH as something that... Um, that you can pitch as a 60-minute streaming show or something that you can bundle with with your domestic AEW product and and maybe to the, the television business that it's going to be, well, this is, we're in business with Tony Khan and we want wrestling content or it could be, we're looking at AEW content and we don't want shoulder programming. Um, there, there's many different ways that, that this could go. And a huge part of the equation is what is the investment on Tony Khan's side that he has put into this? Like we saw... Mm-hmm. You know, when, when the UFC purchased the remnants of Pride, uh, they they paid an exorbitant amount for what ultimately turned out to be a tape library and some contracts and hardly was probably worth what was purchased. Um, on the other side, you have something like a WWE, what it got out of WCW, and it was a bargain just for the tape library, much less, um, you know, the the remaining assets that they had uh, of that company. Like that, and, and this is not a public company that we might not know that that price tag or at least some of the you know uh more interesting details to all of this though we do know that um he he is not a man who i I think is hurting for for cash um he 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 comes from a family who who's probably used to spending um amounts like this and um but but still operates on a budget it's not like AEW has just limitless uh funding either true you're right absolutely but I, I imagine, you know, somebody like him and, and the team that's behind him um, probably considers this to be a calculated risk that they'd be able to flip and, you know, uh, uh, have have their investment come back, um, you know, um, in, a, in a healthy return, I, I, I would probably guess. Uh, and AEW is, has po- positioned themselves in the industry as a company who I think is in the best place to do that, more so than the WWE probably. And now you move your attention to Supercard of Honor that I think becomes an even more interesting show that, I mean, AEW has always said that they were not going to run WrestleMania weekend. This might be the closest we get to an AEW adjacent show WrestleMania weekend. And I would say you have constantly brought this up with the Hall of Fame. I think this would ensure that that Hall of Fame class should all be there. Um, You know, the Briscoes are already booked on that show, but with, uh, with Danielson and Punk, I think that pretty much all but should guarantee an appearance there. And what becomes of Supercard of Honor way, it kind of feels like deja vu to the December pay-per-view. Like this feels, it's a weird, I almost don't think you position it as an end of an era. I I think you more pitch it as like, this is the start of the new Mm. Ring of Honor rather than the, because you don't even like, look at the names they've booked. Like Shane Strickland, that is, you know, AEW bound taking on Alex Zane. That's not a, you know, much ROH history there um, that that you're talking about. Uh, the Briscoes against uh, Mystery Team that would make all the sense in the world that that is FTR, and then Bandito and Jonathan Gresham. Those are the only matches. I would think the rest of this card you could see a lot of the AEW influence uh, to round out this card. Well, we have it about a, about a month, John. You know, for them to sort all that out. Um, I imagine, you know, all the matches that have been announced will go as planned, and then they will move forward uh, after that. You know, having I mean, you know, we were wondering whether or not we would even get an acceptance speech from Brian or Joe or a punk. And at this point, I feel like that that is the very least we might get, if not actually them seeing them wrestle. 
at least Punk and Punk and Brian, you know, that being a, a real possibility for a WrestleMania weekend. I think Supercard of Honor is to me is such an established date on their calendar that even whether or not you know they choose to keep it under the ROH banner, I think AEW should should continue you know should continue some version of it um whether or not they decide to broadcast it at least you know i just think that it's such a you know to me such a a a destination for a wrestlemania weekend that that it's it's something that they shouldn't give up so i hope they take full advantage of it to make whatever future announcements for a a ring of honor that they might Mm -hmm. yes um any other thoughts just just overall coming out of the announcement questions uh, you have and sort of like the, the viability of this was this was this a was this a surprise uh, to you that this ended up being the announcement this one had certainly been out there people have been as, uh, been guessing about this but i mean I, I reached out to like one person just asking like in you know uh around the company and just said like was this totally out of left field and the answer i got was like left field as of yesterday so i guess you know word had been at least starting to to trickle around and you you saw you know plenty of speculation that this could be something involving uh ring of honor uh, fightful had a story today about you know p- potential sales uh potential sale for for ring of honor so uh you did see some writing on the wall mm. yeah um i i mean i i think it was at least one of the rumored announcements and and as far as like the ramifications for for the industry at large I mean, I don't think this is, you know, on the level of like Vince buying WCW because it, Ring of Honor, for all in, intents and purposes, was was not is not a, what it once was. It's not even really a competitor, I would say, at this point. But it does bolster, I think, the power of AEW, the power of Tony Khan, and uh, you know, the power of this company to maybe negotiate and generate more revenue for itself in the future. Uh, of course, we we should also mention that um, this will also give them the all in. Uh, video yeah that's a huge huge point to all of this ring of honor owns the f- the footage to all in and that completes kind of the origin story of aew very valuable content for aew to have and to uh, turn it around however they want putting the whole show out to be able to put together like the the documentary on the creation of aew that's a huge show and a huge piece of that puzzle that you can now add mm-hmm. yeah um and as far as like competitors go in the industry now, like at least in North America, I mean, can we officially disqualify Ring of Honor being one of those options? I think you have to look at what is being planned here. Like you just had like as recently as, you know, in the past week, you had Ring of Honor announcing that after Supercard of Honor that they would be doing other live events. They're going to introduce a new logo like they were certainly of the mindset of pushing this forward and I I feel like this is going to be an outlet, but obviously under the umbrella, even though it's not owned by AEW, I think everyone is going to kind of uh, very much like a, a WEC to UFC, even though it was uh, technically like a separate LLC that they set up to buy WEC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, we we're, maybe we should stick on like the whole Ring of Honor thing right now because we had, do have a few super chats come in. First sure. of all, Fact Channel says sends a two dollar super chat says believe, achieve, obey. Yes, yes, yes. Is yes. that going to be the new credo for post wrestling? Uh, for life, I think, John. Uh, we of course have one from uh John Cena who sends a five dollar super chat. Thank you for the support, Cena. He says, how would you handle the ROH titles such as Diana as the women's champion who is still in, in Impact still? Well, I think it all comes down to like if you want to have this as this sort of like satellite company that you're running on its own, 
Like, what is the extent? I I would not want to see Tony Khan, like, booking another promotion. I think you would want to delegate that to to somebody that this could run and be booked by someone else, earmark certain talent, and have it. Like, we always talk about the the numbers on this AEW roster, and you could create, like, an outpost that they can go and they can get some live events once, once touring uh, ramps up. But at the same time, like, that's a lot of costs that you are putting out there to do live touring. Like, this has to come with, like, where is the value in just touring unless you have some big television deal or something that this is, this is a profitable venture to incur all those expenses, to put people out on the road, to do tapings, to have titles in circulation. Like, what is Ring of Honor going to be? I think it comes down to having some kind of distribution deal that all of this can be uh, funneled towards. If it's just running live events, I I don't know if just calling something Ring of Honor and doing live events like that that to me is going to be a loss leader. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's the hope. I'm sure he'd love to get a TV deal for AEW Dark if he could, you know, um for or for Elevation or any of any of his properties, but I think Ring of Honor at least maybe stands a better chance than than something, you know, that he'd have to build from the ground up. Um, but you know, as far as like their current champions, I mean, you know, they could book Deanna Parazzo. I'm sure they can work something out with impact. None of these people were under, none of these people were like, like Deanna, of course is like, she's not under contract at, at ring of honor. I mean, so Mm. it was like, no talent is involved in this. Like the talent were all like their contracts were not being renewed by ring of honor. So those would all be separate deals that Tony would have to make with AEW. If he wants to bring a Jonathan Gresham in, he's got to work out a deal with Jonathan Gresham. And if they have to take the belts off of them, like they can, it's, I, I don't, I don't think it's that, that difficult. I mean, would they, would there even still be ring of honor championships? I think that's another interesting question. Yeah. I mean, like with, uh, yeah, like as, as John Cena mentions, like Deanna Peraza, there's an impact talent with a ROH title. Um, and it could just be something like, I'm sure they, they will book Deanna Peraza if they want to continue with these championships and have like mm-hmm. a clean lineage of them. But I think you're getting, uh, way ahead of things. I don't think title lineage is like a major uh, priority, at least uh, immediately after this news. We got n- another Ring of Honor super chat from Maggot Gamer who sends $5. Thank you very much for that. Maggot Gamer, lovely name you got there. He uh, he says, the possibility of Cody booking ROH and the entire season of Roads to the Top be- being the arc of leaving Ring of Honor, uh, sorry, leaving AEW and then its redemption coming back as Ring of Honor Booker. This has been a, a rumor that has been making the rounds uh, quite often in in the fan speak, uh, Cody coming in and booking Ring of Honor. What are your thoughts, John? Why, why, why would you do that if you were Cody Rhodes or Tony Khan? Is that the best utilization of Cody Rhodes if you had a working relationship with him to go book Ring of Honor? Well, I mean, if if the conversations um, and, and sort of the uh, the speculation is true that one of the reasons he's leaving is because he doesn't have booking power. Um, would not giving him what is essentially now a bit of a feeder system for uh, AEW to book on his own, playing basically Triple H to his own NXT, would that not be a way to potentially satisfy him? Where is Ring of Honor right now? Like, what are you booking? Like, how would that be different? Than, hey, do you want to book Dark? Like, sure. You want to stick around and you can book Dark for us? I don't <laughs> think that's what I'd be looking to. I don't think if Cody wanted to book a random indie company, I don't think there'd be too much aversion to that if... uh. If if a group like Cody just wants to book book wrestling, I think like it's like why like this is like a 
seven-figure player you're talking about, and you want to designate him as a booker for this company that you've bought, that as of now, we don't even know if like they have any kind of outlet. So I, 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 don't, I don't see this. I understand people love to come up with all these different scenarios, um, but that is one that just, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm in agreement too. I mean, not to mention the fact that I think when, when Cody had his disagreement, I, I don't know how much of this was really in the works. And, um, and, and certainly at this point, I, I don't think Tony Khan needs somebody like Cody to, to do, do the job. If there is a job to book this company full time. Um, I think Tony would be more than happy to kind of take it on, on his own, especially if he paid for it himself. And, you know, he probably wants to play with his toy for a little bit before giving the reins off to somebody else. So I think we're going to see him take another thing on, on, on his plate, at least for a little bit. Like we've, we are, you know, two and a half years into AEW of him booking weekly television and, you know, several months where it's booking three hours of television a week. And then, you know, whatever you want to assign is like the, the dark and dark elevation stuff. I mean, that stuff is more straightforward, but I mean, I always have that in the back of my head of like burnout that we have seen with so many bookers uh, of what they have eventually hit. Um, and I just think piling on more is that the best r- r- utilization of Tony Khan's time. And I guess he knows that question better because I, I cannot fathom how he maintains this this current uh, it, schedule. It's insane knowing knowing what, what, what is on the man's plate. But we also have to remember, I mean, I don't think this is just a job for him. Like this is his passion project and the ability to be the booker to play Gabe Sapolsky. I'm sure somebody well, who he looked up to. That's I think the name I would, I would compare to like Gabe booking ROH. That was his life. That was his life living and breathing mm. ring of honor. And, and then he was also taking things up when he was booking like full impact pro in Florida. And like anyone that was following ROH, like by, by 2008, before he was let go, like you were starting to see like that, like, he had a solid six years of booking in Ring of Honor and then adding other duties to it. All bookers have to meet like they they have a burnout to them. And I mean, we will we will see if that happens. But I just think for someone I would just want all of my focus on AEW. That is man, like that is a full time job. His stuff with with Fulham. And now you're potentially uh, adding this. And again, we, we don't know what like the structure of ROH will be. And maybe he is not looking at um, at booking this either. So we're getting ahead of Let's ourselves. Uh, we have a few more super chats to go to, but we're actually going to save this for a little bit later on because we do have a review to get to. So uh, let's 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 move on with the rest of the show, John. So that was the first segment of AEW. Uh, so after that, um, Tony Khan uh references the first Ring of Honor show, which, by the way, can you imagine if they had been able to close that deal in time to announce last week, he would have been able to make this announcement on the actual anniversary? I I wonder. I wonder if that was part of the thinking. I Uh, would think Tony Khan is 100% a date guy. I can can spot date people uh, a mile away. (laughs) And he had first dropped the, I'm working on something big the Friday before that. So I'm sure... With the go home show, I think it, it it worked out better that he I waited. think it helped, but I am sure having that kind of connectivity and the fact that his this match they set up was an, was an ode to that very first match. I'm I'm sure they ideally it would have been great to have last week, but I agree with you. It was more effective to have this week on the go home show. One week is close enough. So he brings up the first main event, and 
out comes Christopher Daniels, and he is going to take on Brian Danielson. And man, there were there were some low key supporters that were not happy with the snub here. Yeah, I, I I thought I thought there was a chance he he was going to announce. Oh, coming! If ever there the was a time right for Loki to have an unannounced walk in <laughs> at Daly's place, it was this. Yeah. But we were uh, we were not going to get Loki. But uh, Christopher Daniels coming back. I guess this was the first time since him and Kazarian lost that he's been on Dynamite. Yeah, of course he did have that run in Impact, but um, on Dynamite, I don't I don't believe he's had a match. Mm-hmm. And another ROH tie-in. We had referee Paul Turner. They did mention that. Yeah. Wow. What a throw for him. What a, what a weird circumstance for him. Mm-hmm. So um, they focused on Daniel's uh, bad eye and they shake hands to acknowledge the code of honor. And uh, we saw Daniel's here. Uh, I will, I will fully admit I, I was extremely busy during this match. So uh, brief notes here, but uh, some of the highlights included Daniel's hitting a split legged moonsault to the floor. Uh, Danielson went for the arm bar that was countered. Both were going for Mahistral attempts. And then Danielson connects with a rolling elbow. Daniels kicks out and blocks a top rope Rana by Daniels. He comes off into a Uranagi, and as Daniels goes for the best moonsault ever, he lands in the triangle sleeper, and Danielson blasts him with elbows in the triangle and gets the stoppage at 11 minutes and 16 seconds. Beautiful catch into that triangle uh, off of a BME. Um, this match was great. You know, uh, part of me wishes I had rewatched the uh, the the first show and, and to see the main event to see if there were any spots out of that match that they picked out to to replicate here. It, it's up on um, the on ROH's actual YouTube. You can watch the whole three way. Okay, there you go. Yeah, but the match was great. I think these two look as good as you would probably expect 20 year plus veterans to look uh, better. I mean, than than you would expect 20 plus years veterans to look. Um, I think for, in the case of a Brian Danielson, you can make the argument that he is still in his prime, that he is in many ways as good as he has ever been. And I think Chris Daniels for somebody who is seems semi retired right now, I think he's, he he's still way too good, you know, to to be even considering uh, leaving the ring for good. He he's both fantastic on the ground and in the air still at his age, and plus they both have that great ability to play the crowd now that they are veterans. I mean, they've always had that, but it, it's even better now that they're older. So um, he's for- he's only fifty one, which means in twenty five <laughs> in twenty five years, maybe he could take on Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. Or he could main event a New Japan uh, anniversary show. Sure. Yeah, still plenty of life left. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yoshiaki Fujiwara is going to take a backseat to uh, Vince McMahon. Um, and in case I did forget to mention this on the news update. I'll say it now. Uh, but tomorrow, uh, the post-daily news update, we're going to go live at 3 o'clock Eastern time instead of our usual 1 p.m. start time, uh, mainly because the, the Vince McMahon interview with Pat McAfee, I feel, will be the most noteworthy thing tomorrow. And I'd rather do, do the show after instead of before uh, that interview. And Vince's interview will be at 2 Eastern. So uh, we'll go live at 3, react to that, and probably talk more about this uh, this ROH announcement. So that's uh, your programming note for Thursday. So Danielson gets on the microphone and says that 20 years ago, he was in the main event with Daniels and uh, what's his name on that first ROH show. And we started matches with a handshake and we ended them with a handshake. So he grabs Daniel's hand as he's down on the ground on his back. Let's hear it for Christopher Daniels. But then Null acknowledges, we are not in Ring of Honor. I'm in AEW, and it's time to kick somebody's head in. So he stomps down Christopher Daniels and tells John Moxley it's going to be his head getting stomped on Sunday. So out comes Moxley, and he sees that the American Dragon is better than ever, more violent than ever. And me, I'm at a crossroads. And I'm 
either going to be the one getting my ke- my head kicked in and fade into oblivion or go down the other path where with my refusal to die and how I will walk through fire, bullets, and you, Brian Danielson. And at the end of the path, I beat the American Dragon. The story of John Moxley's just beginning. I write the first chapter Sunday, and it's a chapter that's going to be written in blood. And he offers Danielson to take a shot, and Danielson teases that he will, but bails to the floor, telling all you fans, you will pay to see me fight this man. Mm-hmm. And, and I think many will, yeah. Uh, you know, like you can kind of see this, perhaps this ROH nostalgia act wasn't necessarily a part of the plan of Danielson versus Moxley's build. Yet uh, Brian Danielson managed to happily find a way to incorporate the code of honor into his very vicious, very violent, uh, sadistic, you know, heel mannerisms here, using it to, you know, grab wrist control to stomp poor Christopher Daniels head. And I mean, is there anything worse than seeing a 51 year old man's? face get kicked in on on national tv um but yeah no it, it took us back onto course and you know brian versus mox is um it feels pretty hot yeah i thought this was a great angle to to close things off going into to sunday uh darby allen was backstage with sting so rampage is live on friday night from orlando the same arena they're running the pay-per-view at and it will be a triple threat for the tnt title with sammy guevara defending against darby allen and andrade el idolo and no one can get involved or else major fines and suspensions will be levied and darby doesn't need anyone's help and it's showtime on friday so that's a pretty pretty sizable main event probably the match some thought they would get at the pay-per-view and you are getting on rampage they have uh they have loaded up friday's show yeah, yeah, it, like ahead of a pay per view, it, it it does feel pretty big. So, um, I mean, I don't anticipate any. Do you anticipate a title change? Actually, wouldn't shock me. Um, it seems like Andrade a title... Andrade Darby is the bigger program. Yeah, maybe they they could always flip the title, do something really significant on on Friday. I I kind of like the idea of doing some of that stuff on Rampage and just further. Uh, illustrating to people the fact that you know title changes can happen on Rampage and and it's also a live show so you have you have that going for you. Hmm. Uh, Casino Tag Team Battle Royale. Uh, the first. So this was we did not do any of the cards or the uh, the groupings. It was just your like a tag team fifteen it, team Royal Rumble. Exactly. Yeah. It was the Royal Rumble, but with pairs. Yeah. So FTR is the first team out, and Top Flight is out with Darius Martin making his return after a year on the sidelines. And what a job they did reintroducing him! Mm-hmm. On, like he became like the star of the match, who was there right until the end. Um, they could not have done more to uh, reacclimate yourself with with Darius, who I would imagine a lot of AEW fans wouldn't have even seen Darius Martin. It was like, it was only a few months before he got hurt. He was like his first appearance with, uh, with Dante was November and he got hurt in February last year. Totally. Yeah. I, I think I mean, w- one of the big surprises over the past year has been how, how great Dante Martin has been as a singles act and how great of a job AEW has done to really kind of, you know, ride that momentum as, as, as best as as I would say they they could for us a, a, a tag team who's missing a tag team wrestler who's who's missing his partner for the better part of a year. So they've really managed just by pushing Dante to keep top flight really in people's minds. And I thought actually kind of built some decent reaction and anticipation even for 
um, for this return here. So they they absolutely, you know, we always talk about, hey, like, is there is it worth redebuting somebody at the Royal Rumble if they aren't going to win? Is it worth redebuting them in this, you know, Andre the Giant Battle Royal if they're not going to end up winning it? I don't think they should debut anybody there, but like, period. But anyway, for this was a case where uh, they redebuted a person and they made him feel like a big deal coming out of it, even if he didn't win. Uh, so we won't go through all the spots here, but uh, the acclaimed were out third. Um, Max rapped about uh, sending their asses to ROH. They're the reason for all the people in the seats. You're less popular than Glenn Jacobs tweets. Yes. Yes. Very current. Yeah. Uh, Preston Vance and Alan Angels are fourth, followed by the Butcher and the Blade, the Varsity Blondes, uh, Bear Country, Santana and Ortiz, uh, the Best Friends, Trent and Chuck Taylor, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. uh, And then we had the Young Bucks out 11th, uh, followed by Ryan Nemeth and Peter Avalon, the Gun Club, Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson. Arn Anderson is just it's it's a it's very jarring to see the man Codyless. Yeah, I know. I think the whole faction feels like they've kind of lost their leader right now. Are they it's still kind of the elephant in the room when you see them, right? Yeah. What are they? Are they just the family now? Are they are they still can they even say call themselves the the nightmare anything? Yeah, the um I don't know, the uh sleep deprived family. I don't know. <laughs> the sleep deprived family. That doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Uh, the last team in was 2.0 and then, uh, this was a lot like last week where, you know, it was, it was a battle Royal. And then once they kind of got the numbers down, it, it escalated at this point, they gave a lot to Anthony Bowens. He got quite a lot of eliminations here. Uh, Dan Housen appeared to put a curse on evil Uno leading to Trent suplexing him off. Um, Trent had like a nasty welt on, on his bicep um, that, that you could see when they did the close up here. Uh, 2.0 and, and Santana and Ortiz are on the apron fighting. Parker and Lee get knocked out and then FTR uh, helped send Santana and Ortiz out. So maybe they will revisit that. Uh, Trent is unable to hold on to the rope. He lands on the floor. And our final three teams are FTR and Top Flight, who were the first two teams in, and the Young Bucks. Uh, Dante goes for the nosedive, but it's avoided by Cash Wheeler, lifts him up for the powerbomb, and a Rana counter sends both men out to the floor. Dax goes to the edge when Red Dragon appeared to distract them as the Young Bucks double super kick Dax, and they help the Young Bucks this week. So it's the Bucks against Darius Martin, and uh, this was just an incredible couple of minutes. Uh, Darius hits a standing Spanish fly. Nick gets knocked off the apron, but he's caught by Cutler, who positions them back up onto the edge. They go for the Meltzer driver, but Darius stops them. And with Nick in mid Meltzer driver gets knocked off balance from the top rope and he's eliminated. And dude, this crowd is they're like, Darius could win this. And he goes to eliminate Matt. This place loses their mind. Like this outcome was could be seen a million miles away. But in that moment, they captured this audience that believed Top Flight is joining this triple threat on Sunday. That's a win. Uh, Darius ends up on the apron with Matt, and Matt kicks him low, and then he is super kicked off. 26 minutes and 58 seconds uh, this goes. Uh, Really tremendous at the end, I thought. This did a a ton for Darius Martin. Uh, I'm excited to see Top Flight uh, reunited, and you get the match that this was all designed to set up with Red Dragon, the Young Bucks, and Jungle Express, which... Should be outstanding. Another outstanding match on Sunday. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with this being on a, a pay per view, I, I didn't see the Bucks not getting a spot on the show. So, I, and I think most people probably felt that way. But I think it's the despite something being such a foregone conclusion, their ability to make you suspend your disbelief. It's very much like you know when we go back and watch the Undertaker streak matches, we we know that he's going to win. But can you at least for one near fall get the audience to bite? And they managed to do that with uh, 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 Darius Darius uh, Martin here, and a great way to you know re reintroduce him to to the scene. Uh, he looked great. We go to the backstage area. Chris Jericho says the world is buzzing about his match with Eddie Kingston, and their promo segment says Eddie probably doesn't know what a promo is. Well, congrats, kid. You're finally becoming a big star. It's hard for me to relate to you because I've been a star for so long, and you haven't been. But this Sunday, you have a chance to win the big one and asks if Eddie still has the self-confidence issues. And if you can win the big one, I'll shake your hand. You'll have my respect. If not, I'm going to laugh in your face and tell you to (laughs) G-F-Y. You know what? G-F-Y totally works now as a heel line. Like... (laughs) Clearly, I mean, I don't know if he was setting this up. If he did, then then maybe he was a genius way back then. But I, I think as an irritating heel line, because it sucks so much, it absolutely works as a heel. Yeah, I mean, he is, um, you know, and he's going with calling himself now the big one. He's the big one. Like just, you know, he just uh, gravitates towards anything that he feels clicks. GFY is back. And then Santana Ortiz walked in. Awkward fist bump, and Jericho asks if they're good, and they just walk off, and Jericho says he'd always have their back. So I would imagine they probably get involved in somehow in this match. Uh, They're not booked for for Sunday, and maybe we see Santana and Ortiz on Sunday. You think so? In what way? Like... Because I, I mean, think, like, I, I, I just say because AEW tends to you know not have too many screwy finishes, especially on pay per view. I don't know if that necessarily leads to the finish, but at least some involvement. Even if they come out to watch, you don't know who they're going to side with. I just don't know why you do this angle on this particular show if it's not to have them somehow intertwined in that match on Sunday. Right. Yeah. I mean, so much of the promo segment last week felt like it was you know kind of like already um separated from from the whole proud and powerful thing that maybe this week was just them saying hey like um the inner circle's still back together you know uh but but we'll see you know it's it's a pretty hot match i mean this promo was really jericho just kind of reiterating in short form what he said last week and continuing the story of whether or not eddie can i guess face his uh self-confidence issues i kind of wish we had a bit more for from from these two because that last week was so great that I kind of hope that they had, you know, imagine if they had the same amount of time to build their story like MJF and Punk did, right? But uh, we'll take what we can get. Maybe Eddie Kingston has to go to his, uh, to get his self-confidence issues, he has to bring in his own uh, motivational coach. And there on Sunday, he walks out with his new manager, WH Park. Oh, Wow. Yeah, uh, WHB is quite the motivator. Yeah, he is. CM Punk walks out, white t-shirt, look out. He used to ask himself, he said, in the mirror when he would wake up in the morning, am I the bad guy? And said he never had an answer for that question. And he doesn't think anyone truly believes they are the bad guy in their own story. And refers to MJF's speech last week and that it took a lot of courage for MJF to bear his soul He didn't think he had that in him, and he can't shake the feeling, though, that he's being gaslit by MJF. 
He doesn't believe Max was lying last week. He thinks those things did, in fact, happen to him in high school, but questions his sincerity, but doesn't know if it really matters. He brings up that there's a photo online of a young me with Steve Austin when I was uh, when I met him. And I remember when there was a time when Steve Austin was framed as taking his ball and going home. But I didn't get mad over that. And then brings up the aggressions of one MJF, a man who has attacked Dean Malenko with Parkinson's disease, buried Brian Pillman Jr.'s father in his own hometown, said awful things about Darby Allen's uncle, and says that hurt people hurt people. And he questions if he's responsible after not shaking MJF's hand initially to, that led to all of this. And nothing he says can be more impactful than what he does. So he wants to have a conversation with Maxwell out here in the ring. So MJF walks out and stands in the ring with Punk. Punk notes that he has done horrible things in his life. He used to be just like MJF, full of hate. He poured alcohol down an alcoholic's mouth. He made reference to the angle with Paul Bear after he had died and uh, using the urn uh, to build up the WrestleMania match and says that hate won't keep you warm, but it will burn you up. And there's some 11-year-old kid out there that's watching you now that looks up to you. And that's who this is about. So this morning when I woke up and looked into the mirror, I asked myself if I was the good guy. And I said, I'm sure trying. So he offers out his hand to MJF. MJF stands there, and he doesn't just shake Punk's hand. He hugs the man. And Punk is not sure how to react, but then he embraces MJF. And we got a full hug here in the middle of the ring. And then MJF kicked him in the dick. Yes, he did. Yes. You know, uh, I, I think one of the biggest questions coming into this show uh, um, maybe not to the level of, of hype as, you know, what Tony Khan's big announcement was going to be. But uh, for me, certainly um, in terms of interest in the pay-per-view was how they were going to reset course from the the incredible promo that MJF cut last week where most of the audience was feeling sympathy for MJF. How are they going to reset course to make the audience want to see him get his ass kicked again? And they did it. Um, they did it by simply not... Not going back, not having MJF swerving everybody and saying that, hey, everything I said last week was bullshit. Uh, all that stuff was true, except he is continuing to use his hatred of punk as his motivation to want to beat the shit out of him. Um, and I, I, you did have that swervy moment where, like, you know, the guy went for a hug, but it was uh, the, 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 the hatred overcame the potential of forgiveness. And I, I, I thought Punk was just tremendous here. Um, between last week coming out and giving the great reactions he did to, to MJF asking, is it real? Is it true? To this week, the face that he gives, you know, when, when MJF went, goes for that hug, um, I, I think his acting lessons and his acting, I haven't seen any of his zombie movies or anything like that, but whatever he's been doing, I think it's been really paying off because I thought his acting for a wrestling, for a wrestler was actually really good here. 
Um, I love the way he was able to kind of weave in the parallels between the the two of them. I mean, it really started last week with with uh, MJF, but this week bringing up the Steve Austin photo and how he was the MJF in that that he was the nerdy kid lining up to see the wrestler, and and, and everyone made that same comparison when Punk left that Austin mm-hmm. walked out at the same time. Like that was not some manufactured comparison. Like that was the obvious parallel. Yeah, yeah, really the parallels between the the two of them are are really incredible when you really think about it and it, it they waited till the go home show to really kind of like bring it all to light and uh again, you know, MJF using uh CM Punk's lines from the ROH uh heel turn promo at the, at the very end here. There there's just a whole lot to unpack from it and and you can tell a great deal of care and and detail was put into every segment that these two have been a part of. It, like, how long has this program been going on, John? And look at it. Like, we're we're finally at the match now, and I would say, like, it, it it's they they probably climaxed it at, at like the perfect point. Yeah, and with a match in there uh, on top of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, j- just to go through the rest of the segment after the low blow, he hits Punk with the Heat Seeker, and Punk, uh, MJF reveals he's got a shirt with their photo on the shirt. And he summons Wardlow and Spears who come out with the dog collar and the dynamite ring and MJF blasts them with the ring over and over and Punk bleeds a gusher. He's biting at the forehead. Uh, dude, there was just so much blood. I, I thought he hit an artery or something like I was legitimately concerned. This was this was this was a lot of blood, like dripping blood. Yeah, like very fast. So they've got him tied to the dog collar over the top rope. And as they're choking him, that's when MJF g- dials back to, to Punk's ROH promo. You stupid old man. I'm a snake. And the greatest trick the devil ever made was convincing people he didn't exist. This was uh, taking Ring of Honor, uh, Usual Suspects. And like the the ear scene from Reservoir Dogs, and putting it all into a blender, and you got MJF's go home segment. That's that's what I uh, I got out of this. And he's going to convince everyone he's the devil this Sunday. And I can just not I cannot emphasize how much blood was coming out of Punk's head here. And there's an image that you can see where they're helping him to the back, and he is drenched, but has a smile on his face. It's just this maniacal photo of uh, CM Punk uh, that they have after this. So, I mean, this this was a very um, risky idea, I think, to take this program in by doing the segment last week, mm-hmm. which I think was like an extremely um, thought-provoking segment, and then mm-hmm. how you get things on course because, you know, um, Lance Storm really did not like that promo segment last week for the reason that, you have introduced such a sympathetic element to the MJF character that I'm supposed to hate and hearing like this guy being ridiculed for his religion. I will not boo somebody like that. I just will not now that you have introduced that. Um, And that's what they had to balance that with tonight to get him back to a position where you want to see this guy um, violently beaten on, on Sunday night. It was, I think this was very risky to present this on paper um, and to execute it. It was a risk. It is it is absolutely a risk in professional wrestling when I think for the most part we're used to very black and white characters. Mm-hmm. We're used to, you know, uh, hey, boo this guy, cheer this guy, and that's it. 
But I think in so much of our modern media and modern storytelling, we love our shades of gray. We love, I, I mean, talking about Marvel, you know, like all the best Marvel villains these days are people who you can actually sympathize with, but you just disagree with their methods. And I think that's the level of villain that NGF has ascended to. He, for the most part, I think for throughout most of his AEW run was very much a black and white type of villain that you absolutely hate. But last week um, gave you his origin backstory. I mean, that was his, you know, Joker uh, a, a film where you understood why he is the way that he is. But we could still disagree and dislike his way of, of going about it. And, it. and I thought Punk brilliantly kind of like, you know, showcased it here. The same thing happened to him when Steve Austin left. Yet Punk did not blame Steve Austin and did not turn to evil, even though he did pour alcohol down <laughs> down somebody's throat. Uh, and uh, regardless of that, you know he he's 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 better for it now, and and he's saying that MJF um, doesn't need to turn turn down that way either. So um, I I I don't think it hurt. I think it only accentuated the interest in this program. What I was interested to see if they would um, lean into was just the timing of last week's promo and Punk leaving um, in 2014 and then that Esquire feature that came out this week that really went into depth of just how messed up Punk was, that he had to, for his well-being, get out of there, and that that article, like how you could begrudge this person for leaving and kind of turn it into, yes, you went through this, this these horrible circumstances in your childhood and relied upon this hero of yours, but... Your hero was sick, and for you to be to be selfish and your takeaway is the, like the impact it had on you while discounting the impact this industry was having on this other guy who's vomiting up bile on a weekly basis and whose mm-hmm. body is checked out, is mentally fried. Um, he did that for his own preservation, and you are um, penalizing him for that. Totally. Yeah. I, I think there's so, so much incredible material and they, they managed to, I think, craft it in a way that has been incredibly satisfying. Um, so in 10 years time, do we get uh, another up and comer doing this to babyface MJF? Yeah. I mean, the circle of life. Yes. What is what is going to be? Yeah, I guess what company is going to buy the AEW tape library and then their their lead <laughs> heel is going to be doing this promo um, that now we will have two video libraries to reference. D- does the program end on Sunday or does it continue? I, I think that this Sunday should be it. I think it's going to be an extremely bloody match and the winner should be positioned as the the double or nothing challenger. Just looking yeah. at the, the way things are, I think it's time. Like they have hit a home run with this program in many respects, and I think you're going to get an extremely violent match between, you, like between this and like you have all but promised blood for you have to do blood now with Danielson and Moxley. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, it's 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 why this uh, company is so popular, right? Uh, bloody a bloody guts. show on Sunday, yes, yeah. Um, but I don't know how they're going to outdo the blood today, dude. Like this, this I think was maximum, uh, blood. It's going to be double. It's probably going to be both, uh, just bleeding buckets on Sunday. I don't know if I want to see that. Uh, backstage, Tony Schiavone's with Keith Lee. He's interrupted by Starks and Hobbs. And we just know that Keith Lee is going to have a warm-up match on Rampage Friday night, but they did not note the opponent. And Starks warned him if he shows up at Rampage, he might not make it to Revolution in the ladder match. 
Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter against Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. Uh, they went through the break. Uh, Mercedes uh, avoided the lockjaw, tagged in Thunder Rosa to finally square off with Britt Baker. The Fire Thunder driver gets stopped, but she hits a Death Valley driver. Hayter is in for the save. Uh, Mercedes hits a somersault off the apron to Rebel and Hayter, allowing Thunder Rosa to hit her driver and pins Baker clean. Eight minutes, 32 seconds. Uh, momentum is hers going into the title match on Sunday. The momentum is hers, and typically w- with these sort of outcomes, I think wrestling fans have been conditioned to recognize that, okay, if you get the win on the TV, you're probably going to lose on Sunday. Knowing Tony Khan, do you think that is still the case, or is this a misdirect? I, I don't think you should ever read into that. I, I would say the same for WWE. Like I, I think it, like if you were to actually go through them, I'm sure there's plenty of data that would support both ways. I, I don't look into that as indicative of anything, although... I would imagine on this date, um, Tony Khan knows who's winning on Sunday and is probably going to stick to that. And I think there's a, like a fairly good chance of Thunder Rosa winning on Sunday. I think there's a very, there's an excellent chance that Rosa will win. I mean, it's um, I can't really say that this program feels as hot as I think I imagined maybe like a year ago um, when they you know when they had that last match and then they they waited so long to delay t- to get to this point. Um, but you, you know, know why? Was- because that match never happened. No, you're right. Yeah, this is the first match between these two. Uh, but, you know, now that it's here, I, I will say it's it's definitely probably one of the most high-profile uh, women's championship matches that they've had in AEW. And and I think already seeing some of the chemistry they had tonight, I, I know the match is, is going to be great on Sunday. Backstage, Marvez was with Ty Conti and Anna Jay. Marvez notes that Ty has a black belt in judo and is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt, but is interrupted by Mark Sterling and Jade Cargill. As Jade says, no one cares about that karate shit. And as Ty gets upset, she is informed she cannot lay a hand on Jade or else will lose the title match on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That karate shit. <laughs> karate sh- Yeah, sure. Uh, Sammy Guevara did the picture-in-picture with the signs, building up the three-way for Friday. Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch. So Chris Statlander says... That Layla Hirsch, if you were a legit athlete, you would know how to take a loss. Layla comes back and brings up the adoption comment that your parents, no wonder they gave you up for adoption. Chris Statlander is given the opportunity to just uh, bury those comments and forget about them. No, I stand by them. That's what I'm talking about. You're so childish. So Chris Statlander is like, F off. I thought it was a relevant comment. And you're going to see a whole new side of Chris Statlander. Maybe a heel Chris Statlander, because I'm all rooting for Layla Hirsch in this. Uh, Me too, 100%. I mean, I don't know how you can backtrack saying <laughs> you deserve, your parents left you for a reason and gave you up for adoption for a reason. Like, nobody yeah. deserves that. Are you kidding me? I don't care if you're a human or an alien. Um, I, I, I don't, they, I, at least, you know, they're, they're leading into it, I guess, somewhat to, to increase a little bit of interest, but I don't see Layla Hirsch coming out of this one, not winning. Cause that would just be awful, mm-hmm. but this is going to be on the buy-in and they've put like, you know, so, some buildup, like this is not just some throwaway pre-show match that they have. That's cold. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I should, you know, I feel like something should be on the line here. Like maybe adoption papers or, or something like that. Maybe Layla Hirsch's um, adopted parents will be in the crowd. Ah, they should. Okay. 
Wardlow against Cesar Bononi with Sean Spears in his corner. Bononi goes for a backdrop. He's hit with a power bomb, second power bomb, third power bomb. Crowd's going nuts. 49 seconds. He is now 23 and 1 in his last 24 with the loss to Punk. And as Sean Spears goes to attack with the chair, Wardlow grabs the chair and stops him. The crowd is chanting Wardlow. Spears is upset. They go nose to nose, but then Spears backs down, looking concerned that the monster is about to snap. And this would uh, continue with another uh, backstage segment, but a very quick match and a destruction of Bononi. Yep, yep. Just a squash and uh, this time against another big dude. Rampage on Friday. This is our lineup. Guevara, Darby Allen, and Andrade for the TNT title. Keith Lee in action. Serena Deeb's five-minute challenge. And in the final Face of the Revolution qualifying match, Ethan Page versus Christian Cage. Page versus Cage. Canadian versus Canadian. Perfect. And then you can go and maybe watch a Goto versus Togo. Um, <laughs> That's right. Around the same time. Yes, yes. You see Ethan Page is relocating to Detroit. I did not see that. Okay. Yeah, it looks like he's leaving Hamilton. I I mean, we'd probably make crossing the border um, a hassle he wouldn't have to go through anymore. Sure. Probably a good career move. Yeah, uh, yeah but a rare Christian match. We haven't seen him uh, in a match for, for some time. So who enters the, the match, you think? Um, I could certainly see the um, novelty of putting Christian into a ladder match. Mm-hmm. And that would be the last spot, correct? Yes, yes. One spot, and then that's six of them in the ladder match. So we can discount any Cesaro rumors. Yeah, unless they they cut they do some angle. But I I would say like uh it, it's the same for like the Casino Battle Royale and people like speculating oh you could debut a team here. It's like if if you're just gonna put them in and granted like you could have a stellar performance and lose it's not the end of the world. Um, but to me it's like if you're gonna bring someone in it's. I, I would rather just give them their own spotlight, bring them in on the best foot forward, rather than if we already have our plans for this ladder match. Like, it's one thing if you're going to bring the guy in and he wins, but if not, save it. Yeah, yeah. And that you already have, you've got Keith Lee in here, who is essentially a new Exactly. He's, he's the new face that you want to, you know, put a lot of spotlight on, and this is that match to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the buy-in at 7 o'clock on Sunday, we'll have Chris Statlander versus Layla Hirsch and Hook Versus QT Marshall. Oh, yeah. There you go. Hook on the buy-in. Yes. Uh, House of Black promo. Uh, they stated how the house gave Pac new sight and also gave Penta new means to find new levels of violence. The house embraces what, what society shuns while others cast judgment. They don't cast judgment. They seek the truth. They are the house, and the house always wins. This felt like that uh, that uh, Tony Bet ad on TSN. <laughs> uh yeah yeah back and forth um maybe they're poker players i think that that's that's gonna eventually morph into yeah yeah you think so you think you think duke hudson gave it up so that these guys could uh take over the casino yeah they can have all their finishers the the royal flush (laughs) full house would you enter this this like gothy casino it's (laughs) kind of cool the goth casino um no (laughs) i wouldn't Marvez is with Wardlow and Spears, and Spears brings MJF in, who just looks like he's, you know, performed a task uh, offing a guy. He's just covered in blood. And he tells Wardlow, if you win the ladder match and beat the TNT champion, you can keep the title. Besides, it's not like you're going to win anyway. Wardlow says, it's because I'm too busy making sure you always win. So MJF comes back. He slaps the shit out of this guy and says, you're not a wrestler. You're my bodyguard. And don't mistake my kindness for weakness. 
or else your family is going to be out on the street. You know, that slap was like pretty damn hard. Oh, oh like, yeah, it was a it, rough slap. And it needed to be to, to you know, inject, uh, I think, a bit of seriousness in, back into this this program. Um, and at this point, it, like, it, 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 it is getting a little bit difficult for me to suspend my disbelief that this 23-and-1 big-time prospect who's running through your, your entire division would somehow need MJF to stay employed in this business. Like, does MGF have something have something else on him that like requires him? He to... could have a, a lengthy contract with him. He was maybe he would just be. Uh, I mean, it doesn't explain how he'd be out on the street poor. You'd have to you'd have to pay the guy, but maybe he could just freeze his contract and he would just have to. Uh, okay. W- wither away. Right. Okay. So he can't resign with another company as long as he's. Maybe under it's this a contract. horrible. Maybe it's a horrible paying contract. Maybe it's like one of those Ultimate Fighter contracts that a guy signs, and it's like a ten fight deal where you're making, you know, the you're making the bare minimum, and it's just forever. Like you're hoping that you'll get a raise. Like you're just getting by, but it's for so such a lengthy period. Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Contracts are crazy. So, sure, I buy that. Main event, Hangman Page, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds against Adam Cole and Red Dragon. Page and Cole go to start, but then Cole just backs up and tags in Fish. And they bring up that this is the rubber match between Hangman and Adam Cole. They had singles matches in 2013 and 2017, each one one match. Yeah. That's, this is where that's that ROH lot. footage just could have aired on the screen. Uh, if it's if it's available, digitized and everything, yeah. Uh, Cole and Page eventually were tagged in. Uh, each was was avoiding the other's moves, like the dead eye, the boom. Cole b- rolls away from a buckshot lariat. We go through the break. Silver's beaten down. Uh, Cole and Page are tagged in again, and then again Cole tags out. And Page just goes wild here. Fall away slam to O'Reilly, Pescado on fish, and then a sit-out powerbomb on O'Reilly. And they're pushing Page as having the best lariat in the business and Cole comes in, and it's all a ploy. Page was selling, but he just lured him in. All six break down into a striking battle. And then John Silver goes for his big sequence, but it's cut off by an Ushiguroshi from Cole. And Page takes off Cole's head with the lariat. And Reynolds is tagged in. He gets hit with a super kick, the boom, and Adam Cole pins Reynolds. Yeah, really, really good match, uh, as I think you would expect from these four. Uh, four sorry, six. Uh, very high, high-paced action. Cole playing, I think, a really good chicken shit heel. Page being very hero- heroic. Um, you know, I'll say as far as like you know the card goes, maybe the the emotion and investment in my characters, in the characters, and and investment in the outcome in this one may, might not be as strong as the others. I don't think anybody is really expecting Cole to have much of a chance of winning, but I don't doubt that in ring they could definitely steal the show. And I think you know Tony Khan feels that way too because these two are headlining tomorrow. Yes, he said that. The pl- yeah, the plan is for them to go on last. Uh, I thought their interactions um, only support my theory that this is going to be a killer match on Sunday. I'm, I think it's going to be an excellent match. It is not the hottest program by far going into Sunday, uh, but I do think they're going to have a hell of a match on Sunday. Do you think now, now that we're at the pay-per-view, what, what was your thinking on doing the lights out match with, with Orange Cassidy when they did knowing Cole was going towards this pay-per-view um, you know, Cassidy's in the ladder match. It's not like he's not on the show, but I wouldn't say in a prominent spot. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if it makes a giant difference, but I, I don't think it like certainly didn't enhance Adam Cole going into this. Um, it doesn't, but I, 
I think maybe they just need an, an out of the program, but you're right. Like maybe Cole, Cole should have just won it, but it's, it's very much like, you know, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker when they had their lights out match. I mean, uh, Baker lost that one and yet she was able to go on actually win the championship. And now they have a program to go back to because she happened to lose the lights out one. And well, then you're going to have guys start throwing the lights out match. They're going to realize the, why not? Yeah. It's not for anything. Yeah, it's fine. It's, like, it's a curse. Yeah, um, it, it, you're right. It, it it didn't help at all. But I mean, I just kind of took took that one as like them needing an out for it. And if I recall correctly, like didn't didn't um didn't Cole beat him in, in some other? I mean, Cole match? had pretty much beaten them in the lead up to to that, and then it was yeah. like the blow off with the was the lights out match. Right, right. So I mean, as far as I'm concerned, maybe it's I honestly just already forget about it. And and I think they've done a decent job like of heating coal up over the past several weeks to to get to this point. Uh, But but maybe that you're right. Maybe it kind of, you know, goes to how little I feel like he has a chance of actually winning the the belt off of Paige. The heels continued the attack after until Paige made the save. Uh, O'Reilly tried to get a rear naked choke, but Paige fought off Red Dragon. The buckshot gets stopped by a kick from Fish, and the R- Red Dragon gets a duct tape and tie Paige to the rope as he's got to watch them take out Silver. There's a Panama Sunrise to Reynolds, and then Cole super kicks the defenseless Paige, holding the title, saying it belongs to him as he places it on Paige's shoulder uh, to close the show. Mm-hmm, yeah, so... Uh, you know, uh, there, there, there were good matches, I would say, on this edition of Rampage. But for me, I think so much of it was overshadowed by either promos or big announcements that um, I, I can't really say they, they leave such big impressions on me. So much of the show was really just, I think, reminding the audience what was what's going to be on the card on Sunday. And of course, Tony Khan's big announcement. All right. Well, that was the show. Um, very noteworthy edition of Dynamite. I thought like setting up the pay-per-view, which I, I think. I think this has been a really strong build for for the pay per view overall. Mm-hmm. I think I think the card looks excellent. I think the build has been among the strongest for an AEW pay per view. Very high expectations for this show on Sunday, and I think tonight just continued that trend. The Punk MJF segment was really solid. Uh, Danielson and Moxley feels like a big program. Um, you, you know, you put a bit of a spotlight on the Thunder Rosa Baker match. Um, Jericho I, I Kingston. Jericho Jericho's Kingston. gotten in amazing shape. We Jericho never mentioned looks, it last week. Jericho but. looks fantastic. Yeah, he's got like, you know, at least some some form of six pack going on right there. So he's working really hard and I'm sure in ring he'll try to put out uh the best per- performance that that he's he's had uh, in some time. Also so, 51. Same age as Daniels. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Uh anyway, so so yeah, so there's um s- s- what is it? Uh Sunday we're we're going to probably be back here. Do you want to go through the card? Sure, we'll uh, we'll do a more extensive preview on Friday's uh, new show. But the lineup, uh, as of now, uh, we're up to eleven matches. So Hangman Page and Adam Cole, which will go on last for the AEW title. CM Punk against MJF dog collar match. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa for the women's title. Uh, five of the six names for the ladder match are Keith Lee, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Orange Cassidy, and then either Christian Cage or Ethan Page. Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, Brian Danielson versus John Moxley, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against Red Dragon and the Young Bucks for the tag titles, Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy against Darby Allen, Sting, and Sammy Guevara in a tornado six-man tag, Jade Cargill versus Ty Conti for the TBS title, and your buy-in has Layla Hirsch against Chris Statlander and Hook versus QT Marshall. You know, AEW's roster has only increased in terms of star power since their last show, and... 
I think this is the type of feeling that you want heading into, you know, your four times, four times a year types of pay-per-views that they're asking people to pay $50 for it. It does feel to me like a can't miss show. And, uh, I think it's, it's often the case whenever they, they get to one of these temple events. Uh, we have a few super chats, John, if you don't mind getting to them. Sounds good. We first go to Hanzi, who sends a $7 Super Chat. He says, "You do you think AEW will do a one-night stand-like event for the Supercard? And do you think Nick Khan will sign the contract first wearing a turtleneck sweater? Uh, I, I don't think that one will be happening, the Nick Khan uh, option. But yeah, I think that for Supercard of Honor, I think it becomes a more interesting show because that would be like your first vision of what Tony Khan has for this Ring of Honor project and what the rest of that card entails. And does it feel like an AEW show? Does it does it feature AEW talent? Um, I, I think overall, like there's going to be a lot of attention to this story and you direct people's attention to that card on April 1st. I feel like Hanzi is specifically asking, are we going to see like a Ring of Honor one night stand um, right. on Supercard of Honor? Like like with nostalgic Ring of Honor acts? Because certainly they, there's a wide number of them uh, a part of the our, uh, AEW roster right now. Yeah, I think you could. Um, I, I don't know if you really look. The, the weird part is like you've already started, like you've already advertised some matches for the show, which are completely away from that kind of a theme. Um I get hmm. like you could load it up. Um, I, I think you could do maybe like an ROH one night stand uh, in the future, but for, uh, we we also don't know if if Ring of Honor is going away, so that wouldn't necessarily warrant a one night stand type of thing. You know, it could still exist. Um, I, I think you also don't want to present a show that you're not going to continue. Like you could yeah. throw Punk and Danielson and Chris Daniels and all these names on there, but if that if that those people are not going to be part of Ring of Honor. Um, I don't know if you necessarily want to go that route and then it's more of a like of a lesser version moving forward where it's more uh, lower end talent that will be utilized on Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah. I I also think like a lot of these acts are, I think, still so relevant and so current that um, I I don't know. I I don't know if um, I I necessarily see them as like any sort of nostalgic act right now when you you have guys like Brian that are headlining certain shows. But yeah. it's an interesting thought. We got a Muggin who sends a five dollars super chat who asks, "Do you think ROH will use AEW's talent for their programming?" Yeah, I have to think so. That would that would make the most sense. Like, I don't I don't think you're hiring an, an entire roster, but I think the the idea here would be sort of like a like a territory system. Like that that could be you know what it, mm-hmm. it really to me like TV is such a big part of this equation. If there's no TV attached to this, then then I don't know what resources you necessarily put in this. Like I I don't know if I want to like it's one thing to take talent that's right at your lower end, but if you're just touring in front of 400 people, um like I I don't know if that's like the, the best utilization of your resources either. Like you you buy something because you believe that it can be profitable and in this modern era, like television is where you're going to be making money. Does it have to be TV? Could it be over the top? Oh yeah, like yeah, a distribution deal of some sort that mm. you can you can put this. Like right now, if if Ring of Honor were to do a, a television taping in May, where is that going? That's that's the question. Thank you for that, Mungin. We go to Ruza who sends seven ninety nine Australian dollar super chat. Who says on a beautiful day here in Melbourne, TK gave us a beautiful gift. ROH and the new AEW game will be so fun. Regal to ROH, please. 
Cody runs it. So you, so Ruzo would like Regal and Cody to be a part of the new ROH. As far as that game goes, I mean, yeah, I suppose you know there are a bigger number of assets for them to to put in, but who knows by the time whenever this game comes out, whether or not um, <laughs> maybe somebody else will have bought Ring of Honor by then. I mean, um, he hits on something that you know in in the wake of all of these cuts, and especially at the NXT level, when you've seen people from like like Hunter's team that have been let go. Like there is a lot of wrestling expertise that is out there in the free agent market, like behind the scenes, people talent for sure. Like you could certainly, like everyone has said it, you could stock a new company, um, but it's got to have a plan behind it. Like you, if you are going to like, you're not going to take a major star to put for this unless it's got like a certain platform that, that it's worth it. But you certainly have like the, the people that you could put in place to, to run something like this, if it could be sustainable on its own, or at least try to build it towards that. And then we go to Colby John, the voice of Rewind Raw himself, who says, uh, who sends a 1999 super chat. Thank you for that support, Colby. He says, what do you guys think are the chances out of 100 that the dog collar match ends clean? Probably close to a hundred. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think that is. I don't think they're going to screw an audience out of like a. Well, I mean, Wardlow, like last time the punk and uh, punk match uh, with MJF did end with a, a, a bit of a Wardlow interference. Because this is pay per view, and because you have so much finality attached to the stipulation, and because it's a second match, I, I think it'll be. Um, I think it'll be as clean as y- you'll get for a, a heel MJF. Yeah, the only thing that won't be clean are the two performers, as they are probably going to be dripped in one another's mm-hmm. plasma. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for everybody for your super chats. We will continue to take them on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, but first, we go, as always, to forum.postwrestling.com, where we give all of our patrons the chance to leave some feedback for their sh- the shows tonight. Uh, do you want me to start, John? Sure. Okay, uh, Mark has some thoughts on the ROH purchase. He says the video library ownership is huge, although they'll have some major work to do cleaning it up. But that, along with their library, definitely makes the idea of a streaming service a whole lot more believable. AEW now owns a lot of their own history. The entire Elite slash Bullet Club run, not not entire. Like, you know, the the New Japan stuff they certainly do not own. And that was a big, I mean, that that's pretty much the majority of it. Uh since it, our, it brings up one thing, Way, is that if you are looking at this as like a sizable move towards like a streaming deal, like could you see AEW being more in the market of of going after just tape libraries that are available? Um, to to what extent, you know, like what what would be out there that I think would be worth their while, and I think. I think like the lessons learned from from the WWE network are that people aren't necessarily seeking old stuff. I mean, you might make an exception for a Ring of Honor library that is so rich with current stars of today, but um, well, how about a, how about something like, out there like a PWG? Okay, um, I think that, that that would be certainly interesting. You know, does that hold value for somebody that that is an AEW fan to sign up for something for nine ninety nine a month? I'm just or, looking at the like first I I would not I would not advise AEW to launch its own streaming service. I think mm-hmm. at this point you're past that. You you want to hook up with like a major company whether it's HBO Max or w- w- whatever. And mm-hmm. and would they be int- are, are they looking for 
X amount of like wrestling content that you can provide for them. This deal would certainly suggest they want to have a large library to be ready for something like that. Yeah, yeah, I I suppose so. But but again, like I don't know how many people would be seeking out old PWG with their you know nine however much HBO Max subscription subscription. Well, it's it's probably a relatively same number as that would be interested in old Ring of Honor footage. I don't think it's a large number. I I think it's a relatively small number. And you know the fact they made this deal would it encourage others when WWE is not in the market for other libraries. Yeah, I, 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 I can see, you know, Tony Khan having the same concerns, but I, I do think there, there's a bit more value to the Ring of Honor uh, brand and keeping that alive uh, rather than, you know, just having the tape library itself. I think the tape library is great to have. It's great to boast whenever you do have, you know, a, a, a streaming deal to announce. And again, you can use it in so much of your of your promotional material. But um does it hold that much value to a, a, a big streaming platform like an HBO Max? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, we'll certainly see. Like, I don't know if um, they would necessarily... It it comes down to, are you just looking for hours of content or is it specific content? Like, you just want AEW uh, content. Uh, Let's continue here. We've got quite a few here. Jay from Colorado. I wouldn't have guessed that Tony Khan would buy Ring of Honor in a million years, but it makes so much sense. This is a great way to deal with the bloated roster and bring more talent in. I can't imagine what the wrestling landscape is going to look five years from now. Johnny Sanchez. So last week I had a little bit of trouble having some sympathy for MJF because while the promo was strong and felt real, I still remember all the things he's done in AEW. I'm glad Punk addressed it. Also, while MJF did bust Punk, bust up Punk, I still think that hug was genuine. I love using all of Punk's and MJF's history while I always believe that the world title should end the pay-per-view. I wouldn't argue against it if they decided to make the dog collar match the main event. Uh, not happening, unfortunately. At least not unless they make a, a decision to to change it. Uh, Steve from Cambridge. The announcement was anticlimactic. I wish he had said something. I wish he had said anything about what he was doing with ROH. Um, uh, a lot of the programs ended strong going into the pay-per-view. Keith Lee looked really bad tonight. Hope he finds his voice. The show was good, but something seemed off. I can't pinpoint what. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Keith I mean, Lee's, the, in Keith Lee's promo, he means? I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. It was very quick. It was like 30 seconds. Um, anyway, there you go. Hmm. Okay. Noah from Vaughn, live from Jacksonville, says, My dad and I did the 19-hour trek from Toronto to Florida. And man, this show was fantastic to be here. Fantastic to be here for it live. Daily's place is just awesome, and the fans are great. That Punk MJF segment was incredible. Such a great segment. Nine on the 10 show. This, per- <laughs> this person drove 19 hours? Wow. It's a long drive. I mean, I'm sure they're staying there for, for the weekend. I'm sure it's yeah. multiple shows they're taking in. That crowd sounded great tonight. It was, mm-hmm. you know, as of this afternoon, I think WrestleTix had it pegged at around 1,600 tickets or so. I That would be among, if not the lowest, um, tickets that they have had since going back on the road. This was way down from their last time at Daly's Place. So this, like, this is a market that has just been overrun um, mm-hmm. with, with the pandemic and everything. But uh, of the crowd that was there, they they sounded very lively tonight. Kate from Montreal, there were definitely some hints in the last few days, but I still didn't want to get too excited until I heard the news from Tony himself. I think this is a great move, and I expect a streaming deal, perhaps with HBO Max, to follow soon. I wonder where this leaves ROH TV. Does this just go away now that Sinclair is out of the picture? Um, that obviously needs to be addressed, but based on the press release, I would say if that was to include, like they listed the assets that Tony Khan is acquiring, and I would say like, 
those syndicated slots, if that were the case, like that, if Sinclair is cashing out, I don't think those, those slots are going to be there or else they would have made a big deal about that. The rest of the episode was a solid go-home show for Revolution, and Punk and MJF are on a completely different level. Do you think that they do this as a lights-out match in order to allow it to close the show, a la Kenny Omega and John Moxley? Great job reintroducing Darius Martin, who felt like a big deal. Um, I, I don't I think, think so. No, like they've made this clear. This is a match that is, you know, a, a match that does count. Yeah, and especially if you want one of the competitors to go on to challenge for the world championship, it, it, it can be a lights up match. I mean, it can, of course, but I think that they're going to want it to count towards a record. And and they've also already announced that Cole and Page will will, will headline and end the show. So um, I don't really see that happening for there's going to be some extremely difficult matches to follow mm-hmm. on, on this show. Like this yeah. is going to be really interesting to see how the, the show as a whole flows. Mm hmm. We got a Muggin who says AEW has seismically altered the landscape with Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor. Is that a bit of a stretch? I do think so. Yeah, I don't think this is a seismic shift to the wrestling like, landscape, but it's notable. It's significant. We're waking up tomorrow and, and really everything is pretty much as, as it is. Uh, he says it remains to be seen if it'll remain a separate entity under their umbrella. Daniels versus Danielson was a hell of a sig complete with the code of honor. Yes, it was. Uh, the Punk MJF go-home promo was tremendous. We go to Brian from New Jersey. Uh, I didn't expect the ROH news, but it was big and surprised me. Lots of questions still to be answered, but I think we can guarantee three things. Briscoes versus FTR will definitely happen. AEW owns All In, and AEW owns past footage of Jim Cornette. As for Dynamite itself, fun show overall, with my highlights being Danielson and Daniels and the promos that directly followed, the home stretch of the Casino Tag Battle Royale, main event, and especially that Punk MJF segment, which I thought was excellent. So uh, Brian enjoyed a lot of the show. Uh, quickly, I want to thank Cataclysmic for the $2 super sticker. Thank you very much for that, Cataclysmic. Uh, up last, we go to Vic, who says, so many questions about the ROH acquisition. Hopefully Tony does a Q&A within the next couple of days, and hopefully post-wrestling is a part of it. Revolution looks like it'll be show of the year. My only concern is that it might be too much in one night and the page cold title match will not get the time or appreciation it deserves. I don't really see any cool down matches in the card. So hopefully the crowd won't be exhausted halfway through. Can you remind me, John, like are there hard cutoffs for um, these AEW pay-per-views? I mean, in the past they've had like four hour windows for, for the pay-per-view as I recall. So I'm imagining this is a show that will go close to midnight on on, on Sunday night. So hmm. I, I, yeah, but by the end of the show, I, I don't know if Paige and Cole can follow everything. I don't think time will be a problem. I think they, they will get their 20, 25 minutes and they are going to have to follow a ton, but I'm, I'm very confident in that match. Um, maybe I will be wrong. Maybe this will be a crowd that has just seen everything in the world and they're just not um, there at the end. But I, I think as a match, I, just from watching the interaction in the six man, um, I'm pretty confident that match is going to be pretty great on on Sunday night. Yeah. What do you think starts the show? Uh, that's a great question. To open up the show, um, you could maybe start with the ladder match. I mean, mm, there's okay. there's a lot of matches that, um, you know, Tony Khan was saying in his conference call today of just like, this is a really difficult show to come up with the match order for. Mm-hmm. The ladder match could go on first. Um, could be the tag. The tag could could certainly go on first. Yeah. 
those are those are options. So probably mm-hmm. one completely different will end up uh, opening the show. We shall see. Um, but we will be back on Thursday. So once again, special start time for the Post Daily News Show, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And we will be live on this channel for every Monday after Rewind to Raw, every Wednesday after Dynamite, and every Friday for the start of Rewind to SmackDown. So give a thumbs up on the video. Please subscribe to the channel. And we will be chatting with you Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And that is it for Rewind a Dynamite.